0: Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. So I have one question, well, a couple questions to ask. Um, so I, the first slide, who here has seen VeggieTales? Any VeggieTales videos? Okay. Now keep it on that slide for a bit, one. Okay. Now who here has seen some classic veggie tales. We're looking at, like, mid-90s veggie tales. Okay, now I can go to the next slide. So who here has seen Rack Shack and Benny? And this is a classic veggie tale. Now, the details are not exactly as the Bible portrays them exactly, but the gist is right. I don't know if, if anyone's like me, but I always have to sing the bunny, the bunny. Whoa, I ate the bunny. I didn't eat my soup or my bread, just the bunny. It's, it's totally not a biblical thing, but they, it, it was a giant chocolate bunny is what they were talking about in Rackshack and Benny. But we are going to be looking at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3. We're actually going to be looking at their entire lives as shown in Daniel chapter 1 through 3 not just the fiery furnace. So if you would stand with me, we're going to read Daniel chapter 3, verses 15 through 30. It is a fairly lengthy passage, so I apologize that you'll have to stand for a little bit, but it has a ton of good stuff. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods." Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you are faithful, and so this morning I ask that you reveal and help us understand your faithfulness, and help your word come alive this morning, and speak to us. We just ask you to bless us, in Jesus' name, amen. So, super quick history lesson. This story takes place during the exile. Now, many of you here can probably name three kings of Israel. Now, many of you probably named Saul, David, and Solomon. Those are pretty well-known names. However, those are pretty much the only three kings of the United Kingdom of Israel. Right afterwards, the kingdom split Between the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom, Judah. About 140 years before our story today, the northern kingdom was conquered by Assyria. But the southern kingdom held out a little bit longer. But it was still eventually taken over, you go to the next slide there, Boyne, by the Babylonian kingdom. Which pretty much took over the same area of land as the Assyrian kingdom had ruled. And so our story today takes place during the time where Babylon had had captured Jerusalem and all of the Jews were in captivity in exile. So we're looking at however more than just the events of the fiery furnace that I read. Growing up I kind of assumed and you can go to the next slide if you'd like I kind of assumed growing up that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they had their one story. And that was the fiery furnace. They weren't really anywhere else in the book of Daniel. However, they're throughout the first three chapters of Daniel. They're actually fairly prominent figures in the book of Daniel. And so we're going to look at a lot of their faith that we see in those first three chapters today. In chapter 1, you can read that Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to teach some Hebrews... He wanted to teach them about Babylonian culture. He wanted to indoctrinate them. We're not going to be looking at this, but if you read through chapter 1 on your own, you can see this. He wanted to teach them. Now, he chose Daniel and the three people that we talked about. Now, bonus point in a game where the points don't matter. To anyone who can name the Hebrew names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Anyone? Anyone? I won't make anyone have to say it out loud, but Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were the Hebrew names of Daniel's three companions. Now, they were chosen amongst a lot of other youths, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were chosen by Nebuchadnezzar because they were perfect physical specimens, they were young, they were good-looking, they were wise They knew a lot of stuff, and they could learn really well. So for those reasons, Nebuchadnezzar chose those four people and brought them to be taught by the educators in Babylon to be indoctrinated in Babylonian culture for three years. But yet, look at verse 20 of chapter 1 on the screen. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, the four of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in the kingdom. Ten times better than all the other youths in the kingdom. Now they would use this wisdom and understanding to serve the king. That was kind of the whole point. After the three years of education, they were brought before King Nebuchadnezzar, and if they were deemed to have been good students, they would work for him pretty much in some capacity, not necessarily directly for him, but they would help in the kingdom. But where did these skills come from? The, all this wisdom and understanding. Well, verse 17 As for these youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. God gave them the wisdom and understanding and skills that they had and gave Daniel his ability to understand visions and dreams. So everything that they could do, that they could do well, was specifically from God. So let's go to the next slide. If you have a fill-in, I love fill-in-the-blanks, so if you, if you don't like writing, you don't like cramping your hand, that's fine. But I like, they keep me on task. But I would say, use your God-given gifts to serve God. Now, yes, we see that they're going to be serving the king. If you read through Daniel, you see that they, they're in the service of the king. But I would also argue that you also see that they are faithful and honoring God with the gifts that they were given. Because all of that wisdom, understanding, knowledge came directly from God. Again, if you want to follow along in, in your Bibles, in verses 8 through 16 of chapter 1, we see a fairly fascinating story. Now, um, yeah, we'll be getting to that very shortly, boy. Um, so, um, Daniel was pretty much the head of this group, in my opinion. He was kind of the leader of these four people. They looked up to him. They saw him as a spiritual mentor. They were all youths together. But it's obvious that, that Daniel had great influence over Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, all the youths that were being educated, etc., they were to eat of the king's food and drink the king's wine Daniel, he proposed to the person who was in charge of watching them, the chief eunuch. He said, I have a proposal. What if instead of eating the king's food and drinking the king's wine, we eat only vegetables and drink water? I, I dare you to compare our appearance to the other youths after 10 days. Now, the chief eunuch was nervous. He didn't really want to do this at first because... Well, one, if Nebuchadnezzar knew that they were disobeying the rules, that would be on his head. And then two, he, he didn't want to see what would happen, I'm pretty sure. But he eventually agreed. And verse 15, Boyne, you can put it on the screen now if you'd like. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate of the king's food. So Daniel led the charge. He's the one that proposed this idea. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, they faithfully followed Daniel. But this establishes a pattern that we'll see throughout the first three chapters of Daniel, where Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were faithful in their actions. A faithful pattern. In chapter 2, Again, you can read through this on your own if you'd like, but in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, a very terrifying dream, and he doesn't know what to make of it. And so Nebuchadnezzar being the king, and a lot of times, if you read, look in the Old Testament, any time throughout history, kings sometimes, they have some crazy ideas. And so Nebuchadnezzar proposes to his magicians And the people in his court, if you can tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will reward you. Well, all the people in the king's court, they knew this was crazy. There's no way that they would be able to just know what his dream was and interpret it. And they couldn't. And Nebuchadnezzar got so angry that he had them all killed. Now, if some of you might know the story. Daniel is given the dream. God reveals the dream of Nebuchadnezzar to Daniel. And he, therefore, is able to interpret the dream to Daniel. But we'd be skipping some major points here in verse 17 and 18. He says, Then Daniel went to his house. This is after Nebuchadnezzar had just slaughtered all the people that could not Tell what the dream was and interpret it. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. These verses are crucial to the character of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. They were of such strong character that Daniel asked them to pray to God on their behalf so they wouldn't be killed by Nebuchadnezzar. And so point two on your sheets today. Be known as a person of prayer. Because reading between the lines, I believe that Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael were people of prayer. And that Daniel knew he could count on them to pray for him and to help him through this process. But I do think that we should all be known as a person of prayer. Um, I was told that Donna brought us, her her son has had a friend, or still has a friend, And as far as we knew, this friend did not know Christ. And this friend's boyfriend was in the hospital. And in the middle of the night, that girl calls Donna and asks if she would pray for her boyfriend who was in the hospital. That person knew that Donna was a person of prayer. Knew that even if she maybe didn't know Christ, didn't know the God that we, that we count on, she knew that Donna was a person of prayer. I want to be known as a person of prayer. I want people to come to me and ask me to pray for them because they know I'm a person of prayer. Daniel does interpret the dream. He's promoted. And when he's promoted, he requests for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be promoted as well. And I believe it's because of their faithfulness. And so eventually, therefore, they are promoted and they don't remain in the royal court where Daniel is, which is why in chapter 3, where the main part of our story is, Daniel is not in that story. So now we're getting to the main part of our story. In chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar has made an image of gold 90 feet high. I mean that's at least four times taller than the fan above me. A 90-foot tall image of gold that everyone was to bow down before. And so in verse 7 of chapter 3 it says, "Therefore, as soon as all the people's heard all the instruments, all the people's all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up." Everybody and I take that to mean that even some of the Jews that were in captivity maybe did not have as strong of a resolve and also bowed down. All nations and all peoples bowed down to this image. And therefore, there were some, Jew- there were some people within Babylon that were jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These Jews that had been put in a position of authority in the province of Babylon. And so they tattled to Nebuchadnezzar, and they said, these three are not bowing down. These three are not worshiping this golden image that you have set up. And that's where we started our passage. Nebuchadnezzar confronted them. And when they wouldn't bow down, they were to be thrown into the fiery furnace. But look at, verses, or at verse 22 of chapter 3. Because of the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he had these super strong men that were tough, it said they were strong, that were carrying Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the furnace. Now those engineers in the room, those good at math, if there's a furnace here, And then I'm here and I have a person here in my arms with the furnace there. I don't know how it's possible for me holding the person to get burned and killed, but the person in between doesn't. Like, that person should kind of be in the way, I, I would think. That's one hot fire. Yet I see this as the first deliverance in this story. We all, we all know what happens in the fiery furnace itself. But this is the first deliverance that God has because they are not burned up, but the people holding them are. And yet they were still, they still got into the fire. They were, they were still thrown into the fire. But then after they were thrown in the, into the furnace, verses 24 and 25, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire they answered and said to the king true o king he answered and said but i see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods these these three people not four i don't the math is kind of weird there the three people got thrown into the fire bound but now they're unbound and there's an additional person now, this is being said by Nebuchadnezzar. As far as we know, I mean, you look at this, he was definitely not a God-fearing, God-following person. But he's smart enough to know that if there's a fourth person in this, in this fire, there's no way that fourth person could be human. That fourth person has to be some supernatural being, an angel or a son of the gods. My personal belief is and always has been that this is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ in the furnace. Christophany it's called. Jesus Christ himself is there with them and therefore they cannot be harmed in this furnace. And look at verse 27. And and all of the Royal people gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of those men. The hair on their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. So their clothing didn't even appear burned. It didn't even smell like they'd been cooking at a campfire. It, nothing. The truly miraculous tale. Of God's deliverance. And point number three today: Let your faith set an example. Now, how did this? How did this set an example? You say? Well, let's look at how he reacted to the miracle. The verses twenty-eight through thirty. One more time. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, "This is after they'd." Been called to come out. Well, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own. Therefore, I make a decree: any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar saw that they were willing to give up their very bodies to go against his decree. because they would not serve any other god but God. And then I think that partnered with the fact that God delivered them. It struck Nebuchadnezzar with so much force that he made a, well, we say, a pretty violent <laughs> 180. That's not exactly a, a loving declaration that he made, <laughs> but it completely spun his opinion. And that was because of the example that their faith set. And so in our everyday lives, you might be reading this story and being like, you know, it's been like two weeks since I was almost thrown in a fiery furnace, and I don't know what that's like in my everyday life. But every single minor thing, every minor time that you take a stand of faith in your life, you never know when you might be setting an example for someone else to follow. Every time that you decide to follow God, take a step in faith, rather than option B, you never know what kind of example you're setting. It doesn't have to be anything nearly this extreme. And while it might seem, it seems cliche sometimes because it's got so much news when Cassie Bernal decided to say, yes, I believe in God. And then she was killed for making that statement. Again, that is an extreme life and death statement of faith. But every step of faith is important. Now, some of you might be thinking, you know, I kind of looked at the end of the passage. If you're like me, then I missed a point somewhere in there. In the very middle of this passage, verses 16 through 18, is what I believe the crux of the entire story, what everything revolves around. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, this is when Nebuchadnezzar said, are you going to worship who will deliver you? Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, if this be so, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Just keep it on that verse, boy. Their faith in their God was absolute. They knew that the God who they serve was able to deliver them from the fire and deliver them from King Nebuchadnezzar's hand. They had absolute faith in his ability to do that. And then verse 18. But if not, if I am not saved... Be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. There's a song by Lauren Daigle called Trust in You, where she says, when you don't move the mountains I needed you to move, when you don't part the waters I wish I could walk through, when you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust I will trust, I will trust in you. That's exactly what Hanani, Azariah, and Mishael are saying. Their faith in their God, they have so much hope and faith in their God that even if God was not to deliver them out of the fiery furnace, that would not change their decision because they knew there was more Than just their physical life on this earth. They would not bow down to any other God. They had a truly flame facing faith. And so the final point of today is surrender your plans to God's will. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, is a good reminder of this principle. We should, as I've heard Pastor Jeff say to me and I've heard other people say this, we should hold our plans loosely. I remember having this discussion in, in the James Bible study. Well, should we not plan about our life? Should we not try and, and make plans and be responsible? God wants us to be responsible and to be good stewards of what he's given us and therefore plan things out a bit. But we should hold our plans loosely. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They knew that God was able to deliver them. But they're like, you know what? Even if he doesn't, we have just as much faith and we're still going to do this. And that's something that I am still learning today. I think it was back in 2009 or 2011. Katie's not sitting here, so she can't correct me. Things weren't going so well for Katie and I, like, weren't going that well at work and, th- and things were just kind of a little bit of a struggle and so we're like, you know what, we're going we're gonna to look at jobs in Green Bay, we're going to apply for jobs and we're going to move to Green Bay. Well, half the time we'd apply to a job and the person would respond, I don't even know what job you're talking about. It's never existed or there was no apartment available. Every door just kept getting shut and we realized that God had plans for us here. And so we knew and have known ever since that we have to hold our plans loosely because God has a plan for our lives way better than anything I can come up with. Because if you've placed your faith in Christ, you should not fear physical death. Because if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the same one that I believe was walking in the furnace, With Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who died on a cross for us, but didn't stay dead, but rose again. He did all of that for us. And because He lives, we have an eternal hope. Nothing in this life should make us so afraid that we can't move forward. Now, of course, I'm not going to say I'm never afraid. (laughs) Never afraid of things. But my faith should be able to pull me past that. Because I know I can live eternally with Christ. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the same flame-facing faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had, and have that same hope, that reason to lay it all on the line, Pastor Jeff, myself, there are people in this room who would love to talk with you and walk you through a decision to place your life in Christ's hands. Because Jesus Christ is the only reason why any of us, myself, can have that flame-facing faith. Let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, the love that you have for us is immeasurable and astounding. And I'm so humble here this morning, knowing that you loved me, loved every one of us that much, that you'd send your son to die for us. And I ask that you can help each and every one of us to know you more and to walk in that faith knowing that you are here with us every step of the way and so we praise you and as we worship you one last time this morning we ask for you just to bless us as we praise you and as we leave later we thank you for all things in Jesus name Amen.